Welcome to How to Japan, a podcast where two guys from two different countries talk about life in Japan. So, compadre, what do you got for us? Hey. Hey. Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? I'm doing good. And yourself? Yeah, good. Good. good.、Uh, yeah, so we are doing a special episode today. We will be covering a movie we both watched. Uh, in addition to covering other aspects about living in Japan,、uh, we also consider ourselves cinephiles. I guess. I mean, I used to watch a lot more movies, but、um, I guess I find it hard to find good movies nowadays. I don't know why. So,、mm. well, I think our tastes mature, you know, the longer、yeah. we've watched movies. We, we start to develop our own tastes, right? Right, yeah. So, I think、uh, if recently I watched,、um, aside from the movie that we watched together or for the podcast, I watched Monkey Business starring Cary Grant. Oh, never heard of it. It's really good. It oh, really? Made, yeah, I believe it was made in 1941. It's on Amazon Prime. There's a bunch of, there was a bunch of classic movies released on Amazon Prime recently. And one of them is this Monkey Business. And it's, he, Cary Grant kind of plays this absent minded scientist who's trying、mm. to create an elixir for this company for the fountain of youth. And、right. uh, he's testing it on chimpanzees. And the chimpanzee is incredible. You got to remember, it's like 1941, and the chimpanzee is doing all kinds of stunts you just wouldn't imagine would be allowed nowadays. It's,、so、right, that right. makes it so much more interesting. Uh, because of the, the hijinks that goes on and what that thing does. Because now we have, I, I think everyone in our culture now has the image of that woman whose face was torn off by a chimpanzee. So, <laughs> as、Jesus. I'm watching this monkey business, I'm just thinking, what is this chimpanzee capable of? And it's amazing <laughs> that they're getting them to do this thing because there's no special effects whatsoever. It's a Freaking chimpanzee, like jumping <laughs> on everybody and doing his own elixirs and secret shit. So I, I was very impressed by that. <laughs>、uh, I also watched the original Tarzan, the 1932、yeah. Tarzan with Johnny Weissmuller, the Olympic swimmer. Does it hold up?、Um, to a certain degree, it holds up. And again, it's the, there's a lot of animals in it. And the way they、mm. get the animals to go in shots and out of shots is also fascinating、mm-hmm. to me. I mean, that's the most interesting thing. They got a bunch of freaking zebras to run through a shot or lions. What's awesome, though, is like the, this, the, when, when Tarzan has to fight a lion, because you, you have this shot where the lion is jumping and then the lion is on top of him. Obviously, it's like the best possible special effect. Lion dummy that they could have ever created at that time, and it、right. is so fake looking now. But I'm sure at the time it looked realistic for kids. But now, when you look at it, you're just like, That is ri- he's fighting a dummy, <laughs> like it's the, it's it's <laughs> so ridiculous. But his yodeling is amazing. <laughs> oh, great! Yeah, yeah, his yodeling that's all you had to say. Yeah, I'm gonna、yeah. check it out now, definitely. That's <laughs> I love to yodeling. see、uh, yodeling in movies. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. That's amazing. It's like, that, I mean, I could see how that could hold up for years and years and years and decades upon decades because that really was <laughs> something to, to behold. And then I, I watched、uh, Strangers on a Train, which you probably know. The,、uh, yeah,、H2> I've heard of it, but you know what? I've never actually seen it. It's awesome. It's freaking awesome. You know、awesome. what? I take、yeah. back what I said. I thought we were both cinephiles, but it looks like、uh, you know, I, I'm not as well versed in movies as I thought I was. <laughs> And that's a classic. I should have watched that one. Yeah. But、uh, I, I think you know, everyone has their own rabbit hole they go down to, to、uh, enjoy movies. But、uh, l- let's get back on track. Sorry, I、uh, did a little sidetrack there.、Uh, so we were. Yeah, so we, we cover a variety of different topics, but、um, it dawned on me. That I've not seen as many Japanese movies、right. as I have wanted. So I consider this a perfect opportunity、mm-hmm. 
to see both classic and contemporary Japanese movies and then talk about them right with you yeah so so this is but it's also a uh, highly subjective endeavor right so our views may not resonate with everyone mm. but uh, but that's the point you know the more movies that we talk about Japanese movies that is across different genres mm. I think people will be able to get a better picture of what we both like. Yeah. Um, so in saying that, yeah, what is the movie we are talking about today? Well, it's called One Cut of the Dead. And the, what's the Japanese title? Kamura o Tomeruna. That's right. And it was a movie, I had no idea, but it was... Released in 2017. Mm, I didn't know that. I watched it in 2019, early in, uh, was it April 2019? It came on Japanese TV. And it mm. caused quite a stir amongst people who watch lots of Japanese TV. <laughs> I believe I believe it was still making the circuit at that time. I mean, okay. the film circuit. I think right. it was just released in American cinemas and... Oh, Mid okay. to late 2019. Oh, so. okay. That's interesting to know. Um, I guess it, it got enough uh, press and a, enough popularity to get into foreign theaters. So that's, that's pretty good because a lot of times I think, I know this is another sidetrack, but I think a lot of times the movies that you see coming out from other countries into other countries, I don't think is exactly representative of the movie culture in that country i mm. remember w when i when i before i came to japan and i was really interested long before like the internet became like incredibly dense with information um i would go to you know the local blockbuster video which no longer exists because of streaming but um they had you know the foreign section and they had like you know uh, Nagisa Oshima movies and maybe a Kurosawa movie and then some other movie about a nurse. So I was like, what's this? In the Realm of Senses. In the Realm of the Senses. Have you ever heard of this movie? This I is by, uh, by a, a Japanese director called Nagisa, Nagisa Oshima. And I'm watching this movie and I'm like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? It's about this <laughs> guy, this businessman who falls in love with this woman and they're all into, uh, what was it, um, asphyxiation. You get an orgasm through asphyxiation. And like at one point, he dies in her embrace. And then what she does, because she loves the man so much, is that she cuts off his penis and puts it in her mm. pocket and walks around Tokyo okay. for two days. And apparently this is based on a true story. So... Like, of the eight Japanese movies at the Blockbuster video, this is one which represents a Japanese culture. And it's like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on with this country? <laughs> and you decided to get married to one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Will you? Yeah, that's the, at, at a wedding. It wasn't, will you take me as my lawfully wedded husband? It was, will you cut my penis off? Yeah. Like in that movie, around. yeah. <laughs> That's part of your culture. It's the only reason I'm in Japan. Yeah, get my penis <laughs> cut off. Uh, so, uh, but uh, so I'm kind of glad that this movie was has gotten some notoriety around the world because I think it has a, a lightheartedness. You can see a comical aspect, and you can see more dimensions that than you would normally see. And I think what would normally be art house kind of specialized mm. movies that most Japanese don't even watch. You have the Hayao mm. Miyazaki movies, okay? But I think a lot of the movies are mostly like these highly, highly artistic message movies that are kind of abstract or have right. directors with a very specific vision. And so when those movies make it to the foreign market, it gives this impression that Japan is this very highly sophisticated and highbrow society. And it gives no indication 
to the personality of the country or the hijinks of the country or the strangeness and not strange as being like, ooh, it's so different, but you know, the quirkiness that exists. And I think this movie that we're going to talk about speaks of this side of Japan. Mm. Yeah, we're not, uh, we're going to get into a lot of spoilers. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, uh, we would highly recommend you check it out. Yeah. Uh, the basic synopsis of the movie is, uh, this is coming from IMDb. Things go badly for a hack director and film crew shooting a low-budget zombie movie in an abandoned World War II Japanese facility when they are attacked by real zombies. That's it. Yes, I think that's, that's a good synopsis. So, uh, let's get into spoilers. Okay. Um, ultimately, what did you think? Well, I overall, as I've said before, talking to you about this movie, I really enjoyed the dialogue that was going on between the actors. And I also really enjoyed the ensemble elements of the of the cast. I really enjoyed I keep saying I really enjoyed, but I really enjoyed how broad the side characters were in a very classic comical way. They had. Mm. They were so well-defined in their vagueness. <laughs> it's so strange to say, but so well-defined in their vagueness because they all served these specific, these specific roles that they did so well. And I, I really appreciate that. Just watching it a few hours ago, I really appreciate all the dialogue and the interactions of those characters. Uh, mm. the, the story I, I thought was good. Um, the family elements, uh, I, although that holds the whole movie together, the core elements of the family coming together and making good on a movie, although that kept the movie together, I didn't enjoy that as much as all the side characters doing their little things. What about mm -hmm. you? No, I agree. Yeah. Um, I agree wholeheartedly with your assessment. I went in not knowing anything. Mm -hmm. So I... I didn't know what I was getting myself in into when mm -hmm. I first sat down to watch this movie. Right. Uh, but I had heard good things about it. There was only one slight spoiler, uh -huh. and that was stay for longer than 37 minutes. Okay, yeah. Which happens to turn out to be the first 37 minutes of them filming, showing mm -hmm. that, fa that fake... Uh, the, the fake zombie movie, mm, which right. it turns out to be an actual live broadcast of a move of a zombie movie mm -hmm. for a network dedicated to zombie movies. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, not not having any information going in, I, I it completely uh, subverted my expectations. Mm -hmm. I I thought it was going to go one way, and then it went a completely different direction, and right. and I love it for that. Right. Um, I think I told you before, you know, I've seen many zombie movies right and i've got i've gotten tired of walking dead i've gotten tired of the same old tropes gotten very uh there's not a lot these days to surprise me on mm. that front um it is i feel they they managed to take an old trope and mm -hmm. just introduce something new this new yeah. element i thought was great I think one of the, the new elements that they added was that perhaps zombies can use weapons. Uh, <laughs> I mm. remember the, in the casting section of the movie where they, after the main part, the, the, live, act the live part of the, the broadcast ends and they go one, one month before where everyone's doing the casting section, there's one actor in the movie, uh, it, in the cast, who's looking at the script and he's like, oh, so, so uh, it seems like in, in this zombie world, uh, zombies can use axes. And one of the other guys is like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's just, it just shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but yeah. it's so funny that they're, like, they're trying to do this world creation. And uh, they're taking a different stab at it. And I think the whole idea of zombies walking around with tools to kill people us using weapons is something that we haven't seen before. So that's another thing that could be <laughs> canon for this, this genre of movie where, yeah, zombies with weapons. You know, we haven't the, seen that before. Yeah. 
the overall meta aspect mm-hmm. I loved. Right. They're just trying to make a movie, yet you have no idea when you first start watching it. Yeah. If you have no clue of what you're getting yourself into, I can mm-hmm. see why they mentioned that stay for at least 37 minutes. Right, right. So that you can, because I think most people would just walk out of the cinema right. after seeing <laughs> such a shit rendition of like a zombie movie. And <laughs> like it's beyond B grade, it's C, it's like a, it's terrible. Right. If you had no other idea of what was going on and if it didn't have the sort of, uh, uh, the reputation that it already had achieved mm-hmm. being a highly recommended movie. So um, so that was a meta aspect of it. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. making, they're trying to make a, a zombie movie. Mm-hmm. And it all started to make sense because you saw, remember the guy who had explosive uh, diarrhea or he had problems with his stomach and he, yeah. and he's sitting there during one of the takes and uh-huh. he's, I'm wondering what the hell is he doing there? Right. I have no <laughs> idea what this guy's doing. Also, that that may that main woman, mm-hmm. uh, the woman who turns out to be the wife of the director, mm-hmm. she's strange as well. They're all they're all strange. Yeah. They're acting just out of. Even though I've never seen them before, I haven't seen how they, you know, how they would interact with one another. But there are just certain aspects of it where I thought, well, oh, this is kind of surreal because right. there are these long stretches of pauses. Mm-hmm. Long, long stretches of silence, or when they're just looking at each other, um, almost seemed improv- improvisational. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't. And it just it turned out to be. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. Yeah, <laughs> they were improvising a lot of the time. Or, uh, I I think I'll. You know, when I watched it again and having all awareness of w- all the details of it, I really enjoyed the first part a lot. And the reason why I enjoyed it is because there's so many camera choices that were made that were made to look bad, but I think made certain shots interesting. And one of them being where there was a camera, the cameraman kind of falls down and the camera falls to the ground. And it stops all of the herky-jerky camera motion. And you have this very strange angle and you're seeing someone trying to struggle to get away from a zombie. And I found that that's something that could be used in in other movies in a very strategic way. So even though we find out that it was a mistake, I, I think it kind of added to the creativity of of that movie, that fake movie that's within it, which was the live broadcast. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I I agree. I agree with that. It, it was interesting the second act where mm-hmm. they do get into how they make how they eventually make a movie mm-hmm. and you see all the behind the scenes so that was one layer but then i loved the credit scene where mm-hmm. you see another layer on top of that right. so to me there are these there are three ultimate levels to the movie because uh, the the ending scene, the credits, that was where I actually saw them making the movie I'm watching. Right. If you know what I mean. I mean, it wasn't yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. them. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't them. Yeah. So yeah. it was It was amazing seeing mm. how they did that. And it wasn't too dissimilar to how they portrayed it on screen. <laughs> you know? It was very... It was, it was a lot more well... You know, it was a, more of a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. But it was also uh, just a testament to... The creative team, the director, mm. and everybody who knew exactly where they had to be, and um, I think I I read somewhere that it took maybe the second, the second one take mm-hmm. where they got it right. Uh huh. So, which is not which is not bad, right? Um, and there are no hidden cuts, right? Because nowadays you can actually make movies with hidden cuts uh-huh. in them. Yeah. You know, using digital technology, you can actually remove certain cuts and make it all seamless. Well, but we, in this movie, no, they didn't have the money for that. Mm. They had a three million yen budget. Right. So uh, I think we can go back to Alfred Hitchcock's rope for that. Do we, do oh, we, yeah. Yeah. So basically that was made to look like a single take. Um, right. But of course, back then movies had film so there was obviously they had to have three different cameras to do the whole movie 
And so, but what he did very uh, seamlessly was when there was some sort of uh, switchover from camera to camera, the camera was panning and it would go through, it would go through uh, one part of the, the set where there was like a sofa and it would be going panning through the sofa. And as it panned to the other side, there was a camera switch and they continued filming. So he did all these kind of tricks uh, before the, the di- digital world to create this uh, sense that it was all one camera, all one take. Basically, the whole movie is one take of one performance of the, of the movie, of the actors talking back and forth about something. Uh, so we we have those different things but i wonder how they really went about it with this movie how did they get that that one take you you're saying that they did a lot of rehearsal and then they just went through it with that one camera one take is that so yeah the some of the trivia that i read about it was uh according to the actress harumi shuhama uh-huh. uh the cast performed the one take scene Perfectly okay. on the second try. Wow! But oh, actually, but a crew error led to the camera stopping during the take, uh-huh. and it was unusable. So, okay. <laughs> so forget what I said. Okay, okay. <laughs> so but I think the whole thing. production was shot in eight days. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. from beginning to end was right. shot in eight days. Did you know this? Did you know that most of the cast were paid? They were paid. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. The cast actually paid money to be in this movie. Okay. They were not paid because this was a final session of an acting and directing workshop oh i see called okay. uh enbu seminar uh-huh so that's interesting yeah that is interesting so they were just trying to break in any way they could and they they yeah they're taking yeah, acting they, and directing workshops mm, and then this was the I, final uh final I mean, stage like a the, test i guess i think they really well i mean that paid off i mean obviously it, it yeah. paid off because those <laughs> it was in i now that I hear that, I think it's incredible. The acting performances are even better than like right? I, I could say because I mean I know you. We were talking about this before. the The lead actress, this young lead starlet actress, startup, who had this uh, catchphrase, uh, which was uh, "yoroshiku desu," which is a very mm. informal way of saying "thank you for giving me what I want" kind of way right. Uh, right. of speaking. I uh, the I just watched it a couple hours ago. Every time she said it, I laughed aloud. I thought that was so. I had the opposite awesome reaction that, to you. Yeah, yeah. You're taking it from the visceral side, but I was just talking to my wife too, and she said she <laughs> laughed it each time. You got you were very angry about her, her doing this. Yeah. Oh, it just sounded disrespectful. Yeah, <laughs> because she had this huge agency behind her, and she thought she was doing the director a major favor in mm. taking this project. Right. But just using casual Japanese like that, yeah, just rubbed me the wrong <laughs> way. I don't know I, if that was a director's intention. Was a director's yeah. intention to make the audience pissed off if you're a Japanese viewer? But you're, you're uh, telling me your wife oh, didn't... she thought it was she, hilarious. She, she was, thought it was hilarious. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, I, I mean, I thought it was so funny because of the way her her attitude changed, especially, I mean, the line before, which is... Hey guys, um, I'm sorry. I, you know, I just really, I want to be thrown up on, but you know, it's my my agency. You know, they won't let me be thrown on. It's agency policy. It's like mm. that is the, the the dumbest thing that you could say. I want to be thrown up on. I don't think I've ever heard anyone ever say that in a movie before. I want to be thrown up on. It's just that my agency won't let me. Okay, all right. <laughs> I, I kind of see what you're saying. You know, it's good ass. That kind of thing. <laughs> just the way that she cut from trying to be yeah. courteous to just very curt, right? Mm. There's, uh, I'm not sure many listeners who have not spent much time in Japan know, but mm. many of these idols, these pop stars, uh, and I think some actors and actresses are, they f- they receive these projects through these major agencies. Right. I think the biggest is Johnny's. I think is uh, one of the biggest. That uh, could be the biggest one. Yeah. Um, but uh, your life is run through these agencies. You don't have much 
uh, forgive the pun, but you don't have much agency right. in life to act, to to choose projects or to act. Uh, you always have to act in accordance when, with what the agency wants. Mm. So this movie is playing playing that up. I think that's kind of similar to old Hollywood in a way, right? You had oh, these, right. They yeah. had the, the, the traditional studios yeah. who controlled you every actor and actress. You had the contract with the studio, and then you had, were sent out to all these different things. Right. You had no choice in the matter. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a weird thing. It, I mean, it's, I, I guess, kind of a hybrid because you can go out and do different things. Well, maybe it's almost the same exact thing. I don't know. Uh, but no, I don't um, think they have much. Yeah, I think they're fully controlled and... Mm. Um, Smap, uh, Arashi. Uh, what are the other famous boy bands that I don't listen to? Yeah, <laughs> what Arashi, are the other ones? Who, uh, sexy who Zone. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that, that gives AKB me AKB Forty Eight, AKB Forty Eight, SKNE, uh, Nogi Zaka, uh, yeah. One Hundred Twenty Million. Yeah, that's like. right. <laughs> <laughs> they all have. Yeah, they all operate through these agencies, and from mm. what I've read uh, mm-hmm. in local Japanese media is that they are uh, fully controlled with yeah. um, no, yeah, not, not much of a life outside yeah, of AKB their work. Yeah, the AKB48 girls, they can't have a boyfriend That's because right. they, they have to create the fantasy that, that somehow you that might be the one. big fat otaku, big fat yeah. geeks have a chance. Yeah. That's right. So there, there's all that kind of thing going on. So she kind of represents that aspect of it, but at a very low, low level. Because remember what the uh, the the uh, catchphrase of the director, right? He when she's when he's talking to the producers of the show, they're like, "Tell us your catchphrase," and he says, "Hayai, yasui, shitsuwa, soko soko," which means, "I'm fast, I'm cheap." And quality's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, Very so mediocre at best. Yeah, yeah. Medio. It was that the translation was mediocre. No, no, uh, no. Uh, but that's how the the way I took it. I, I don't remember the the exact yeah, sure. translation. But oh, okay. But yeah, just so so. Yeah, pretty so average. So that that was like uh, the the direction you were coming in, and that leads to one of the characters that I really liked, whose stage name. That I've seen, I've seen her on TV recently. Her stage name is Donguri, which means acorn, and I think she represents the soul of an acorn because <laughs> she is so tiny and petite, and I almost liken her to a chicken wing without the chicken. Like she has no, <laughs> it's just skin. It's like I don't even know how mm. someone can actually exist with the lack of muscle, and, but she is very, very bright and happy and she has this take on the whole production which is whatever you do is going to be great i don't really care (laughs) (laughs) but she's very optimistic about not caring because she just knows that you're going to do a good job so i I really like the bubbliness of this of the woman so what who would be your standout uh person or people in this movie i I think do you have a favorite I think it, it's a tie between the the sound guy and the the lead actress. I would have to say because of the the flip way that she spoke. I think she's such an incredible archetype of that ridiculous starlet actress that you mm. see in, in movies. What about you? Yeah, mine's a toss up between that guy with. Bowel issues. Yeah. <laughs> sound guy. Yeah. And also the director. Mm-hmm. Because the first the first act is him losing his shit. Right. And then by the time the second act comes around you realise, oh well, it's kind of justified. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I'm actually rooting for him. I actually yeah. now I'm I'm actually behind him, shouting at him. When he grabbed that young prima donna, that, uh-huh. that guy, that famous male actor. Yeah. And uh, told him what's what. <laughs> I almost got out of my well, seat and cheered him. I'm like, well, yeah, you tell that son of a bitch. Well, I, I uh, that guy it, who it, was it, just it, giving it, him it. so much shit. Well, he was getting shit from everyone. Yeah, but that guy, yeah, because he especially had to, that, like, that younger talk girl him down as well. From not quitting, right? So he, in the yeah. casting, he was like, uh, you, "This is this is your movie. This is your this is yours." <laughs> 
This is what <laughs> you're going to do. It's going to be your movie. You're going to be all over it. You're the best. You're wonderful. He's quietly saying this. And right. then you see him flip the switch. This is my movie. This is not your movie. <laughs> like he's like all this. Uh, I love that. Uh, uh, all that subtext comes up and over his head and he just throws it out. Uh, passive aggressiveness just comes out into direct mm. anger over this guy. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, so those are my two, the two standouts for me. Yeah. Who really left an impression. I also like the drunk. I mean, the drunk guy, goddamn. Yeah. Because it, he, he was really, especially when you see him on the other stage when the director is acting, uh, uh, directing him in a different drama, because he starts off they're in the middle of a scene and they're in a cut stage. They haven't started filming again. And he's like, uh, they're putting tears in his eyes, like drops in his eyes. And he's like, uh, so uh, why am I crying? <laughs> like He has no idea like what the point of the scene is, <laughs> <laughs> which really uh, leads into it's a, a deep in onto what his psyche is, because then you hear him talking to the director. He's like, ah, you know, I, I quit drinking. He's like, oh, yeah, well, that's great. Yeah, it's my, my daughter. You know, she's got me off. You know, I, I just, uh, you know, I just want to do this. And like 10 minutes later, he's found the, the, the congratulations socket. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Blasted. <laughs> <laughs> and it, but it was funny, all these little shows well, you can see, like, uh, as, the, as the filming begins, his hands are shaking. Like, uh, uh, he's like really having withdrawal from alcohol. And then he's just done. He's toast and he can't really perform. But his drunkenness leads him to be a very good zombie. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. Uh, in any other scene, it might have not worked. But because he had to be a zombie, mm, uh, being a drunk was OK. So I, I kind of I don't know that. if this is true, but mm. the there's another piece of trivia about that guy. I think okay. it's. um. I think his name is Manabu Hosai. Yeah, yeah, Hoso Manabu Hosoi. Hosai? Is it Hosoi Hoso or Hosai? Hoso 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 Hosoi, but I, I might The guy know. in the pink shirt, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so this is the trivia. Okay. According to an interview on Kaori Nusantara, anyway, mm -hmm. the actor Manabu Hosai, Hosai mm -hmm. the zombie in pink shirt who bites the AD. Mm-hmm. He was actually drunk when filming that part. I don't know if there's any oh, truth well then to that. He's, he's truly a Martin. Literally Sheen. drunk. Yeah. He's. Uh, I don't know if it's, if it's him getting into Martin character. A <laughs> <laughs> method actor, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he's a method actor. With that, with that just. Uh, I mean, he. I mean, hey, you know what? Whatever gets you to. Uh, the pinnacle of your acting ability. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean uh, maybe the lead actress uh, to get ready for the role. She acted like an asshole for three days. Who knows? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. How did you get to the point where you were an asshole on camera? Well, I walked around supermarkets in my neighborhood and just told everyone off. Like that could be the the, the way. Everyone does their process. Mm. But uh, yeah, the the sound guy, you know, I mean, come on, his his constant phrase was, "It was in the email. It was in the yeah. email." Yeah. I told you, I can't drink this. I told you. Yeah. And he has a right yeah. to harp on about that. He's got to. He has to let them know. It's. Otherwise, he would be in grave danger. Right. Uh, and he tries, you know. He, yeah. But everybody, you know, I think just the assistants who listened to him just thought he was out of his mind. Yeah. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Yes, yes, we have water. Yeah, yes, whatever. Be, yeah, we've got toilets. a bathroom for yeah. you. Jesus Christ, leave <laughs> me alone. And the way he delivers those lines <laughs> yeah. is he's just so deadpan and just really kind of strange and... Uh, He's uh, deadpan, and also know. he he seems meek at the same time. Like he's trying yeah. to be strong, but he's meek. Yeah, he's like I I don't know I don't, I told you in the email. 
Win again. Yeah. Win it. Bad things are going to happen. Did he actually say... You just watched it. Did he actually say, I have an issue with my stomach? He did, didn't he? Yeah, I think he, he did. did. Tell, he yeah. did tell him. Yeah, he specifically said, issue. like, I can't, I can't drink hard water or soft water. I'm not sure which one it yeah, is. Yeah, because and, like, of my have, stomach. Yeah, I have stomach issues, and no one yeah. gave a shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did, though. Yeah, but right. Literally. He did give a shit to everybody. <laughs> For a long period Terrible. of time. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I really, I thought the the improvisational aspects of the, the first 37 minutes was fun to watch. You know, the, how there was so much silence between lines. And When uh, they've got, when then you see in the second act, they're holding up cute, like cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cue cards and wait, signs. Wait. Trying to get the, the, the story <laughs> moving. Yeah. <laughs> There's so yeah. much... Uh, going on in that that uh i i found you know e- each each stage of the movie very very fun to watch uh in fact i think i liked it a little bit more this time than the second time i don't know why but interesting uh, yeah i think it's because mm. of just being able to see the actors just act you know not being beholden to what's going to happen next but rather just seeing all the choices that they made and I right. found that really, really fun to see all the things that they did. Um, so, I mean, I, g- I guess that kind of sums up my my feelings. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about in the movie? Uh, that's basically it for me. I, I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was a yeah. great movie. I recommend it to anybody who uh, is interested in a Japanese movie that was made on the cheap, yeah. yet got a lot of critical acclaim worldwide. Yeah. And... It's for the basic reason that it's it it, sub- it subverts your expectations. Right. It's it's not what you expect. Right. Going in, and that's why I loved it the most. It's so difficult in this day and age. After all the many movies I've seen, mm-hmm. except for the ones that you that you that you've just told me about, <laughs> I haven't seen. <laughs> but I become so desensitized, you know. Yeah. That's I don't. Right. I no longer get surprised, and any movie that surprises me yeah. is a movie that I, I, ch- I cherish. Yeah, in my That's, older age. So I, I think there's so many movies that get a lot of hype, and then I watch them, and I guess it's part of the spoiling process. But you know, there was a movie that came out last year on Netflix called Bird Box. Did you watch this movie? I With, did. Uh, Sandra Bullock. I was like. <sighs> No, I watched. I watched. I watched only the first. Th- I think thirty minutes, no, and then I saw the whole movie unfold before my eyes. I could predict yeah. exactly what was going to happen. It was so, and I just turned dumb. it off. Yeah, it was like, and people were talking. Oh man, the ending! I was like, this ending is so dumb. And Spoilers whole, to anybody who wants to yeah, watch Bird Box, yeah, yeah, yeah. but anybody we both hated watch it. Bird Box, let me just <laughs> don't watch right it. Now. Don't watch it. I'll just tell you at the end, she's blind. She's wearing a bandage around her eyes. And you know what the, the ending is? Can I tell you? Please. Uh, I think I read it somewhere though. Yeah, it's really it, stupid. He, they, she somehow makes it down the rapids of this river with two little kids in the boat, and then the the place that they're trying to get to is a place for the blind. They need to blindfold themselves because this creature, whatever the hell it is, is which is turning people crazy. Yeah. Turning them into to, to murderers. They need to see them with their own eyes, yeah. which is why she's blindfolded. Yeah. And uh, blind people can't see, but that allows them to live. It's like, fuck mm. off, you assholes <laughs> i don't know why i'm so angry with it but it's like it's like i i, I can i think i just like to be angry at things that don't matter so it's just like fuck off you assholes that that's not that's not clever that's not amazing that doesn't trigger me there was another another documentary oh it did trigger you yeah it triggered me yeah yes yeah. So, thank you thank you very much for n- noting that that was a, a misspe- a misspoken statement you're so worked up yeah yeah, yeah i'm so worked up i can't I even had to say step what in. i want to really say Get you back on track uh, the, there was another moving. one where there was a documentary one of my coworkers was talking about it about fire something like fire island and it was described uh. to me as like it's you know like white people who are rich they get what they deserve 
Like you said it like that. I'm That's like, a line out of. Oh, I don't want to. Sp- I don't want to spoil it, but. Mm. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. the the movie's called what? Fire what? Fire Island. There was like this big hype about all these musical acts going to be on some island, and it was like done up, and it was going to cost like I don't know thousands of dollars for to get a ticket, or really really expensive. And then there was nothing there. It was like totally jumbled up, and f- everyone got fucked over. So I was watching. I was about forty five minutes into this documentary, and I was like nothing so what so there was a mistake and then these people got stuck on this island for a few days and it's like that doesn't prove anything (laughs) it's like if you if you're rich and you have enough money and you want to go somewhere and it it basically shows these people walking around going man this is fucked up yeah it is fucked up (laughs) like it's not like i'm like yeah see you got what you deserve you're fucking rich and white it's like what Where did you see that? It was on Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So I, I I'll know, I'll know to avoid it now. Yeah, it's just dumb. I mean, it's not like interesting at all. It's just about a bunch of people who got bamboozled out of their money, and they went to see a bunch of musical acts, and they couldn't. And maybe you don't like the personalities of the people, but I mean, whatever. They didn't really. It's just kind of like shit. It's like whatever. I think there's a lot of a lot of documentaries where I watch half of them. I watch half of them and I'm just like, whatever. There was the Michael Jackson documentary. Did you watch that? Yes, I did. Yeah. Did you watch the whole thing? Uh, I did. Yeah. Uh, I think there were three. Were there three episodes? I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember. I either. watched it last year, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, the the guys who were making those claims, they were very persuasive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've since read articles from other people who mm-hmm. have dismissed it and said it's not a, an accurate reflection on, on who Michael Jackson is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the truth of the matter is Michael Jackson, he was a, he wasn't a person who I, you know, despite his artistic, obvious artistic mm-hmm. talent, mm-hmm. he had issues. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether that extended to him abusing little boys is another thing, but mm. um, from the documentary itself, I mean, there was a strong case to be made that he he did abuse, sexually abuse those, mm. those young boys. Right. Um, but I still haven't fully committed to the idea that he was a pedophile. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. What did you think from what you watched, and, and why didn't you continue watching it? It just didn't uh, hold your attention? Uh, oh, well, at one point, it was like... I I don't know if this could be unfair. This could be unfair for me to say, but it seemed like they were getting off on telling their story. Mm. And, uh, and my wife kind of walked behind me and I was like, look at, do you see it? And she got angry. Watched it. She'd only watched like two minutes. He's like, why are, why are you watching this? And I was like, I don't know. It's like this documentary about Michael Jackson. What, all the crazy shit. She said, why are they saying all these details to people? Why are they just uh, like giving these, this, it's basically she was trying to say that it was so gratuitous that if you were really in pain over it, you wouldn't just be like, okay, so then we went to the train and we did it on the train. And then, we went downstairs and we he held my penis and then he did this and he did that and it's like and i i kind of i i kind of understood what she was trying to say in that sense what do you think why get a why take it to the front and center of public consciousness through an hbo documentary is what you're saying uh, what did they have to achieve by doing this uh not not like i don't if you are if you are truly traumatized by something and it hurts you deeply there there i think there's a certain modicum of how you present your story mm. now i'm going down a direction i don't even know if i agree with myself um 
it's not so much mm-hmm. telling you it's not so much that they're expressing their feelings it's it's the 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 over gratuity of the of the storytelling um i don't know if people who were truly sexually molested would speak in that way and it this is uh, this sounds disingenuous but they would would you really go into that kind of detail with that kind of demeanor on on camera to express your feelings about it because it seems like some of the 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 people who are molested they seem to be almost and maybe I, I, I'm projecting. I don't know what it to is. Be, to be to be fair, you haven't watched it all, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I watched uh, maybe forty-five minutes or so. Yeah, before making up your mind, maybe mm. commit to to every mm. every episode. Yeah, it, it was a it was a persuasive case by the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I can see where you're coming from, though. Like it's I, the I, way I d- they present the them their abuse and I I believe the trauma. That- so I believe what they said, but whether or not they have to be so gratuitous about it is another question. Mm. Mm. I think it was also the fact that this opportunity came up and it gave them their window of opportunity to take advantage of this director's goal was mm-hmm. to to portray Michael Jackson in a light where the general public were had dismissed it, mm-hmm. had already dismissed it through all those court trials. The mm-hmm. public was on Michael Jackson's side, mm-hmm. and they felt that their stories weren't properly heard. Mm-hmm. They felt that they were railroaded. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one way. If if I'm looking at it from mm-hmm. their point of view, I mm-hmm. can I can see why that they they if they had a chance they they took it. Yeah. And I don't see what uh, what other incentive there would be. I'm not thinking about incentive, this. but getting off on it. Like I, I think there's one thing where you can say. Uh, like all the stories of being enchanted by Michael Jackson, of course, right? Oh my God, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I, we were staying in these hotels and blah, blah, blah. And he would go to my town where I lived and it, we, we all wanted to know Michael Jackson. However, when it gets to the, the, the gratuity of the, the sexual interactions and the way that it was portrayed then I start to think, what, what is the director's motivation? Why, why are you trying to get all of this? Inf- why are you trying to get all of this explicit information out instead of couching it in, oh, I, I was abused and these types of things happened to me, but it's going into each specific detail that I, I don't I don't know why anyone needs to hear that much detail about molestation of a child. Mm. But so I don't know. But I don't really I mean that's kind of the line of thinking. That's why I stopped watching it. Not that I didn't believe what they said. But I felt that it was just being too gratuitous, I guess. Mm, right. Yeah, that didn't affect me at all. Yeah. Because I'm because t- they're telling their stories, uh-huh. their life stories, and if if it, I'm sure throughout all their therapy sessions they've gone through a lot of heartache mm-hmm. amongst themselves and their family members. Um. And that's one way for them to find closure. Mm-hmm. Uh, being explicit about it, I think it could have been a uh, an artistic choice on the director's part mm-hmm. to be as you know, please tell me a story and be as graphic as you can. Mm-hmm. Or guess, yeah, they could yeah. have just been automatically, okay, I'm going to tell you everything. Mm-hmm. I want this son of a bitch 
to be known mm -hmm. for who he really is. Mm -hmm. So they could have been so that could have added to the gravitas of of really painting Michael mm -hmm. in such a terrible light. Mm -hmm. I say terrible, but it's all very subjective. Um, right, right. Uh, you know, he he still. I mean, it doesn't change the fact. I mean, the, the, we all know that he was fucked. Right. And the mother, right. the mother of these parents, the parents, you know, the parents of these kids who let yeah. them, right, be alone with right. him. Yeah. Jesus Christ! I mean, that was brought up in the documentary as well. I mean, mm. fuck. Mm. You. Why would you do that? Right. Yeah, I think that the the family dynamic was interesting to see. But again, I think that I, I can't really say for certain what my actual opinion is regarding the documentary and how they express their opinions because I can't quite remember how my wife stated what she said and how that influenced the way I what I was viewing but I think it was maybe from a female perspective and maybe also s from someone from a different culture and how they react to that kind of detail of information well that's unheard of could you mm -hmm. imagine a documentary in Japan where they're yeah. talking about like if someone so famous as Michael Jackson mm -hmm. in Japan yeah. who abused people but also, could you imagine like uh, any any uh, company yeah. In Japan, no. making that. No. I, don't th uh, I think that's what... They, would, they wouldn't touch it. Yeah. No. <laughs> It'll be done in you know, behind closed doors. They would mm -hmm. find closure behind closed doors because that's the nature of Japan. Right. Um, you don't air your dirty laundry out in public. Mm. So maybe that's what, you know, I, I was kind of feeding into when I was watching it. Because I tried to watch another movie or a documentary about sex in Japan, and it, and it went... Like was a CNN thing that was on Netflix and made by Amanpour. What's her name? Like Christina oh, like Christian Amanpour. Yeah, she yeah. used to so, work on CNN and mm. and it yeah. starts. Uh, I wanted my wife to watch it because there was certain scenes with like a uh, foreign couple, a Japanese kind of international marriage couples in it, and they were talking about their relationships, and I found them interesting. But the 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 special starts off with some guy in Akihabara sitting on the sidewalk with a manga open and he's saying all this incredibly like ridiculous like manga like terrible language and mm. it then my wife just shut it off she couldn't watch it I was like but there's I mean I didn't even pay attention to the guy I couldn't even I wasn't I was like that's not but that's not the main thing <laughs> I don't know right. why they started, but then I'm like, okay, yeah, well, that is interesting that they started with this. And it's like, why, why did they start with this? But I have to question that because that, that starting with that thing is a definite director's choice and a creative choice. And it also gives an image of Japan that's not quite what Japan is. But the rest of the story in it does. But why do you start off with like the most extremely offensive thing for a Japanese person to see? And maybe, and that's... It's not the audience. What was yeah, the documentary called the, again? The audience is for foreigners. So, right. Uh, but the thing is, I can't remember what it was. I think it's called like Sex in the World or something like that. Okay. So like I, I was watching it and I didn't even, it just floated right over my head. Like I didn't even pay attention to it. But the moment I, I was like, oh, I, I want you to watch this. Wait, I want to get, want to hear your opinion about it. And she couldn't even, she told me to turn it off right when she saw this guy. I was like, yeah, but it's not, <laughs> that's not the point of the movie. That's not the point of the documentary. Mm. Mm. So, but the point of the documentary is to get foreigners interested in the best way to do that is to do something very shocking right at the beginning. Mm. Uh, but that's not the Japanese demeanor or mindset when it comes to those types of things. So, mm. uh, uh, yeah, like you said, it's not for the Japanese audience. And so it, it just goes into this shock, shock kind of introduction. And that's also, you know, the Michael Jackson thing. It's like it, it's consistently shock, 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 shock. 
and so can't watch it. Mm. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well that's sad. Cut out the Michael Jackson <laughs> stuff. I, I don't really have a complete opinion about that. So uh, you haven't even seen it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, we can go up to Bird Box, maybe. <laughs> but you're. Uh, I wanted to ask you something yeah. regarding movies. How uh-huh. do you decide what to watch? How do I gut feeling? I've over the last five six years i've been using rotten tomatoes oh okay as a general gauge because i don't want to waste my time mm-hmm. I, watching I shitty yeah. movies and i it's always been a good barometer for me i mm-hmm. don't go into you know i just i see the movie and i just look at the score mm-hmm. and then i i've based my movie watching on that and sometimes mm-hmm. word of mouth or mm-hmm. uh, but i really i am spoiler phobic i mm honestly hate being spoiled uh, movies and it's so difficult in this digital age that mm. you know whatever you you know you'll you'll come across something that that's referring to another movie and um but that's always been how i've come across new movies but mm. recently mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes has been terrible right uh i um i think what's been apparent mm-hmm. is critically acclaimed movies mm-hmm. like i'll give you an example like um uh the last jedi mm-hmm. which is the the next movie in the new star wars reboot um the last jedi came out and it got like a 90 something percent mm-hmm. and ron tomorrow's i thought oh great that's that's yeah they're, they're doing really well with the franchise and right. i went and watched it and i thought it was a piece of shit garbage <laughs> The worst, I felt like they just, they took what I loved and they just fucked it in the ass. Uh-huh. And and I and I went back to Rotten Tomatoes and I looked at the viewers. So you've got two separate reviews. You've got the critics uh-huh. of all these well-respected publications and then you've got the actual viewers, mm-hmm. people who log into the site and they have their accounts. So they started, um, you know, you, you can review movies and give you a score. Mm-hmm. And it came out to like 20, 30%. Mm-hmm. Twenty three percent from who? From the 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 viewers from oh, okay. from non critics, right? And then mm-hmm. Joker, right? The movie Joker came out yeah. with Joaquin Phoenix in the lead role of uh, playing Joker. That came out, and that got a sixty something percent, sixty eight percent, right? And I thought, well, I don't, you know, I I still want to watch it because I've. I want to see their portrayal of of the Joker, and I like Joaquin Phoenix, and he's always an interesting actor. Um, so I thought I'd give it a shot, and I watched that movie, and I loved it. Right. I went back to the Rotten Tomatoes, and the audience review was ninety something percent, mm-hmm. over ninety percent. Right. Look at that disparity. Right. That chasm between these critics. Uh huh who seem to hold so much value and position in society that we, right. you know, like people like me, myself, right. I'm a prime example. Right. I used to go to these critics to ask for their, like just to get a general consensus on a movie. Mm-hmm. But these days, it means fuck all. Right. And I think we're in a politically charged climate because mm-hmm. I think that's all it came down to. Mm-hmm. People were, were shitting all over... Um, joker because it was sending the wrong message and and i don't agree with that at all i think you've got to remo- remove politics from a movie a movie is a movie mm-hmm. and that's what i think many reviewers from what i read i think i read half a dozen of them before i just got the same i the same gist of it was that they were complaining about the joker not being original or or covering like the king of comedy or mm-hmm. a, a taxi driver or Stealing uh, from these well-known movies, mm. but it was not a good. It's not a good place to be as a movie watcher these days to have so much politics involved. Um, yeah, I don't know if you agree. Got it, but I guess you don't use Rotten Tomatoes, do you? I don't use Rotten Tomatoes. Usually, I just go through Netflix Q or the Amazon Prime Q. And I just look for little write-ups on things. 
and see uh, what uh, is going on. But to kind of further your point about the politically charged culture, uh, there was a movie by Peter Sellers called The Party, where he uh, plays a, an Indian man. And mm. uh, last year I read an editorial in the New York Times, and I think it was written by a young Indian person, uh, Indian American. And they said, you know, we have to end this, all the portrayals of uh, brown-skinned people Asian people uh, doing uh, brown face. That's a terrible thing uh, for society. We can't um, have all these things, these stereotypes that happen. Why do white people have to play Asian people? And then mm -hmm. he started mm -hmm. going through a list of movies where this happened. And he included uh, in that list, what, you know, The Party by S Peter Sellers. And the only th reason I bring this is up is because back in the 90s, uh, I lived in San Francisco with a lots of Indian immigrants. And um, there was one movie, when my brother came out to San Francisco, there was one movie that they wanted me and my brother to watch. Now, it was two white people and maybe eight or nine Indian people, all in their 30s and 40s. And um, the movie they recommended was The Party. And the reason why they recommended the party was because they loved Peter Sellers. They understood that Peter Sellers was one of the greatest impressionists, comedians of his time. Mm. And they said that his ability to do an impression of an Indian person and to use the language was bar none incredible. Mm. They loved his portrayal. They loved mm. that movie because Peter Sellers was the actor who everyone loved. And they right. enjoyed seeing him portray an Indian person. Not because uh, they had a poor sense of self, right? But because they understood the craft that he was doing. They saw him do Inspector Clouseau. They understood all the different thi all the different characters he took on. But this editorial doesn't pay attention to that. They don't pay attention to the fact that Peter Sellers was one of the greatest com comic geniuses of of the 20th century and he was able to go into a character so deeply that even people of that ethnicity embraced him. They thought he was incredible. But no, we can't have people like Peter Sellers playing Indian people because we need Indians playing Indian people. Now, I think there is some, there's a lot of credence to that. I think if you need an Indian story to be told, it would be important to have Indians playing Indians. We Absolutely. Go, yeah. Go back to Gandhi, the the mm. epic Gandhi. Who played Ben Kingsley? Ben Kingsley played famous Gandhi, British actor. Right now, yeah. maybe at the time it was a good choice. However, if that oh, movie was made now, it was he was amazing. But if we do it now, I mean, I think an obvious choice would be to choose an Indian actor. Yeah. Because of the importance of of Gandhi in the culture, and also mm. moving towards having people. Uh, of one ethnicity portraying the people who shaped the way they are. But if we're talking about a comedy in which someone d is doing an impression, in which the, the whole drive of a movie is to make people laugh and look at, enjoy the hijinks, why can't you have someone <laughs> from a different ethnicity to do that, mm. especially if they are a master of their craft? Mm. That is, it's just something that I, you know, thought about a little bit. Well, we will continue talking about, hopefully, Japanese movies yeah. again. It's <laughs> <laughs> a point of yeah. our podcast, but yeah. we could go yeah. off. We go off on tangents sometimes if we want. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, next time let's. Uh, Let's talk about another Japanese movie that okay. we will either 
uh, arranged to see beforehand or have already seen and will rewatch. Yeah. Um, and Definitely. we will talk about that and give our recommendations again. Okay. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, I'm done ranting. So one cut of the dead, yes, 2017 Japanese dead. horror movie. Yes. Uh, watch it. We will. Let me let me leave the listeners with one funny take. I don't remember the who said this, so I'm sorry. Uh, the director manages mm-hmm. to reinvigorate two of the most tired tropes: mm-hmm. cluttering our media landscape. Yes. Art as meta commentary on art. Mm-hmm. And explosive diarrhea. 